Coming up on this edition of the Mitco SN Podcast, on the heels of a disappointing loss at Northern Iowa, South Dakota looks to get back on track in Fargo against North Dakota State. That was one where when you look at that stretch and how tough each game is going to be, that was one that if they, you know, they left there and they didn't take it with them, and they certainly could have. And uh, so it, it, it was a, it was circumstance that we just haven't dealt with in a while, and uh, and it was it was bad. Welcome to the Midco Sports Network podcast. Here's Jay Elson. Welcome inside another edition of this week in USD football. The Coyotes coming off a gut wrenching loss. In Cedar Falls last weekend, 34-29 at the hands of UNI. The Unidome, always a tough place to play, but the Coyotes certainly have to feel like they let one get away this week as really all day they it felt like they had control of that football game and then the snowball started rolling there in the fourth quarter and things got away with it or got away from them and uh, they end up taking a loss in in uh, you know, a crucial part of the season, the start of November, which we all knew going in was going to be extremely difficult, going to UNI, then to North Dakota State and home to South Dakota State to wrap up the regular season. So to talk more on that, we bring in our good buddy Mick Gary from Argus Leader Media. And Mick, uh, as I just mentioned, uh, this certainly stings a little bit more than just your typical loss. When you go on the road in a place like the Unidome against a UNI team that's usually extremely difficult to beat on their home field, and you had them. You had them on the ropes, and, and you had that game in hand. All you had to do was finish, and the Coyotes unable to get that done this time. Yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, you know, you, you know, we're done talking about last year, but it would definitely, if you're going to be honest about it, this was, we saw those types of faces and those types of, heard those types of voices uh, in uh, Cedar Falls that, you know, that we did after a few games last year where on one side you just have <clears> – <throat> You have the uh, a loss, but on the other side, you have circumstances surrounding that loss, and that's where this one was distinctive this year. Uh, they, uh, you know, they had that game. They had a, a real opportunity to take a significant. I don't know, it, you know, if it's that big a step or not. I think they are in the playoffs anyway, but certainly uh, within the context of the, the, you know, that final stretch of the season, that was one where when you look at that stretch and how tough each game is going to be, that was one that, that they, you know, they left there and they didn't take it with them and they certainly could have. And uh, so it, it was a, it was circumstance that we just haven't dealt with in a while. And, uh, and it was, it was bad. I mean, three, three turnovers, each of them leading directly either to the removal points, points you don't get or points you give up that you probably wouldn't, otherwise uh and all three of them had you know significant cir- circumstances connected to them and we'll talk a little bit more about uh those turnovers and and how this thing ended exactly and how it where it all went wrong but but first let's go back to the first half and and right off the bat USD started moving the football they marched right down the field get in the end zone on their first possession of the of the game uh 16 yard touchdown pass from Chris Trevler to Josh Hale uh, who had a fantastic day. We'll talk a little bit more about him here in a minute, too. But uh, after that, USD had the had the one fumble on their next possession, 
But other than that, they didn't punt the entire first half. They moved the football extremely effectively. They got it into the red zone four times. They scored all four times. But, Mick, one thing every coach is uh, going to scratch their head about, you get into the red zone, you expect touchdowns. The Coyotes had to settle for just one touchdown in four opportunities. Three field goals, and while they made them, they went to the half with the lead. They certainly had to feel right off the bat like they left some things out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is not an offense that's left a lot on the on the table there. I mean, they, their red zone percentage scoring wise in that game was very good, but it wasn't touchdowns. And that's kind of what they've been used to uh, this season. I mean, uh, uh, Ryan Weiss has only attempted six field goals uh, had going into that game, did a nice job, made three in the second quarter there. Uh, but man, three touchdowns would a lot would have looked a lot better for those guys. And given the way things then finished up, but you know they they could have put that game away and uh, even with uh, the turnovers, had they things worked out a little bit better for them. Uh, but, you know that's wishful thinking, obviously. But uh, and it was uh, you know there was a crucial missed opportunity to get points deep in the red zone against Illinois State. Uh, so you have those two losses there, and both of them. Uh, there were some shortcomings, down and distance shortcomings, or, or you know, or other via other means, uh, where they were down there, and it really looked uh, like they were going to score touchdowns in some of those situations, and they either didn't get any or they got field goals, and uh, they both those in both those games, it, there were definitely uh, details that uh, entered into what how the entered into the outcomes. Uh, so it's definitely uh, something that they have to work on, and, and uh, via play calling, via execution, it's easy to say, well, they played the, you know, that was a poor play call because it didn't work. A lot of times, there's more involved in it than that, and not every play is going to be perfect anyway. Uh, so I think you're you want if you're going to have a poor play call or however it works on a down and distance, you should not do it when you're way down there. And when the when you're you have a first and five or a, a second and goal from the two, uh, those things really can leave marks, especially um, on ro- in road games where the other team is very extremely motivated to win. Uh, and it was uh, it was a problem, uh, definitely a, another one of the the easy to pick on problems that they had at uh, Northern Iowa. And despite the struggles inside the twenty. Uh, the, the Coyotes, again, had the lead at the half. They were up 16-13. The defense, I thought, was playing very well in that first half, and they did all day, but specifically in the first half, gave up just 133 yards, and 59 of them came on the one pass play, that touchdown pass from Eli Dunn to Isaiah Weston. That was the one, really the one big play, the huge play, uh, that the defense allowed all day, and it was really the only reason the game was as close as it was there going into the half. But the defense certainly had the team in position. They were making up for some of those uh, struggles uh, by the offense inside the 20 by by getting stops, forcing punts, and and also in a couple of different instances holding you and I to field goals. Yeah, uh, the I mean, the defense and – you know, you walk away, you see the impact of these losses and how important that just winning the game is uh, in these instances and how much different a week this would be had they just won that game. But on the other hand, you look at the things where they failed at them. These are isolated things that they that they screwed up on Saturday. Uh, and you look at it, the 
as a body of work, and I know you can't do this in football, but you look at the body of work and how well they defended and how much, for the most part, how effective their offense was, and you see the you see a lot of uh, reasons why there's you should you should uh, dismiss that loss and say, well, we're going to Fargo next week and we lost this one. We should have won it, but we still are a really good team based on how they played. And you can say the thing, same thing about the Illinois State game. That defense kind of collapsed in that one, but you it's um, the body of work that the nuts and bolts of football. Uh, they're, they've been very good at this year without exception, pretty much. They have been very productive offensively. The only one under what, you know, 485 yards or so was uh, the game where Strebler got knocked out early. Um, and they still won that game 42, nothing. Uh, I think that they're one of the challenges I think this week would be to get that coaching staff uh, for the coaching staff would be to make sure the players realize, and I'm sure they do uh, that, this is a really good football team and there's no, I mean, you can look at the win loss thing and you can look at some mistakes here and there, but overall, this is a really good football team that should have, you know, that would not surprise, should not surprise anyone if they go up there and either beat the Bison or really give them a good game. And and you look at the, the way that the second half played out on Saturday again, and, and there was a bit of a lull there offensively, but the defense continued to do what it had done most today and and really keeping you and I at bay for the most part. Uh, I mean, they only allowed 283 yards of total offense and, and the offense looked like, you know, in the fourth quarter when it, when it mattered uh, was going to put together the the drive that it needed to after struggling. I think they punted it three straight times there uh, between the third quarter and maybe the early part of the fourth, Uh, but they put together a drive and with about nine minutes to go, they had it first and goal inside the five and it looked like at that point that there was no way they weren't going to come away with something and they were going to at least extend that lead to six uh, and probably make it a two-score game. And the Pat, you know, the, they call a, a, a quarterback pass that uh, is designed to make it look like a quarterback run. And obviously Chris Strebler being who he is, that, that fake sells itself a lot of times because he, he is so dangerous with his feet. What did you see on that play, though? Because as Trevler rolls to his right in talking to Coach Nielsen uh, on Monday for, for Midco Sports tonight, he said Chris just kind of sold the fake a little bit too long, and then the guy initially was open. It was Connor Herman, the tight end, uh, had had a step on the guy that they needed to get beat um, for the UNI defense. and then uh, But Chris selling the fake the way he did, and as long as he did, allowed Xavier Williams to drop off to Kari Allen and just kind of, I don't think Chris ever saw him, and it was a certainly a costly mistake. Yeah, definitely. It was a mistake. And, uh, as, as, uh, Mr. Strebler made it abundantly clear in his opening comments on Saturday, it's not what he wanted to do. Uh, this was, this is something that he didn't feel good about. Uh, and, uh, as far as that play was concerned, I, I think you're absolutely right. It just, uh, you know, there, there was a, there was a, a click there. It was a glitch. And, uh, my goodness, uh, you know, I think you can look at it two ways with Strebler. Um, you can look at it as, as a, well, geez, you know, he didn't throw, he did, basically didn't do anything wrong for six weeks. And then, and, you know, then he has, starts getting some picks in, in a couple of different games. And 
and think that the you know that there's something level of unraveling here but i think more realistically uh it's it's just a statistical correction and then you're not going to go through a whole season without throwing any interceptions and you can break down each individual play and and say well he should have done this he should have done that and there was two times that he did the wrong thing in this game and he uh but i think overall it's 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 not an easy sport to play it's certainly not an easy position to play uh, in this conference and uh, a few of these things were bound to happen i'm sure that they would wish if they could do it over again that this would have happened at the 40 yard line and not in the end zone. And then not, you know, not deep in your own territory where the guy has the opportunity to score a touchdown after he intercepts the ball. But uh, um, I I don't, I don't think that there's, he threw a lot of passes in that game, 51 and uh, you know, threw for more than 400 yards. Uh, You know, we, we discount the fact that this, that was one of the more productive days in the history of Kyle quarterbacks. Uh, and I think we're a little bit um, spoiled maybe in the stats that he's putting up every week. And if it's not just absolutely all world stuff with no mistakes that uh, there's something potentially wrong here, or it, it's some kind of trend uh, that we're witnessing. And I don't think so. I think that it, it's just, I think you get a little bit better with the scouting as you move on as, with the season, especially the, the, I mean, the good coaching staffs are going to make things a little bit trickier for quarterbacks especially, and they're going to show them things that maybe they didn't see. But you're also just – you're bound to mess stuff up once in a while. And I don't know that you can infer much beyond the, just that it was a real unfortunate thing happening at, at the wrong time. Yeah, I think that is part of it. I mean, we're, we're just so used to de- to seeing him be almost superhuman at this point, with the especially with the way he played early in the season. And, yeah, there have been some mistakes over the last couple of weeks or at least the last couple of games that he's finished, which – have unfortunately both been losses for South Dakota. But as you said, he's thrown for over 800 yards combined in those two games, four touchdowns. He does have the uh, four interceptions as well, um, but he's still he's still doing a lot of things well as well. So, uh, you know, it's 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 tough to look past it just because, you know, uh, it, it hurt the team because uh, because it prevented them from getting points. But then the defense, you know, you got to pick your guys up every once in a while. They come back out, they get a stop. Put the ball back in the offense's hands, and and with a chance to work some clock, I think they'd gotten a first down already on that drive, and then all of a sudden Kai Henry puts it on the ground, and and right then and there is where that that game changed because you and I takes the football over at the USD eleven. They score two plays later, and then of course in the ensuing drive he throws the pick uh, six. Keelan Brookins steps in front and takes it back uh, twenty nine yards for the touchdown. Uh, and, and the Coyotes did muster one score late, but it was too little too late. And um, just an unfortunate thing to see this team taking such good f- care of the football all season long. They've had they had four in, or four turnovers all season coming into this game against you and I and four of them against the Panthers to double that number to eight. And that's, you know, it's it's hard to say. There's a, there's always more than one reason that you win or lose a football game, Mick. But there's no question that the number one reason that this thing went south on Saturday, and they didn't get the win, and it's not close, turnovers. And that's just, you know, bottom line in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. If you want to win road games, you've got to you've got to play clean football, and the Coyotes haven't done that the last two times they've been away from home. Yeah, and it, it uh, it's a little bit different than, I think, as you address those topics than if 
they were, you know, than if they were really struggling with one specific thing over and over again on defense or on offense. I guess you could point to maybe an inability of the run game to get tough yards in, in certain games as being maybe one thing that whether that's a that's a shortcoming that we see come up a couple times here and there. But on turnovers like this, it's I think it's they're isolated incidents and. Kai Henry, I guess, did it twice. You can say, well, buddy, it's probably time to start hanging out to that thing if you want to uh, continue to get handoffs. Uh, but everybody knows that, and, uh, you know, that things happen. Uh, but I think that during a, a, a week like this, you emphasize, yes, uh, taking care of football security is a big deal, and you saw vividly how that last week you were vividly reminded of the potential problems there in this conference when you give the other team even a little bit of an edge. And this was a fairly dramatic edge there at the end. Uh, but you see those things and you know that, but you've just been reminded of it and let's continue to stay productive. And the things that we're very good at this year and looks like are going to be, you know, that offense is going to be good. I, I would guess they'll score some points and for sure they'll gain some yards um, on Saturday in a place where nobody does too much. Um, but, but uh, you gotta, you gotta win the game. You gotta play the sort of that winning football that at times has been very elusive for this program during the division one era. You can go back a long ways there and there are just certain things that have happened at the wrong time that have kept them, held them back a little bit. And uh, it, it's easy to, to look back at it now and point at it and say, well, yeah, there's a problem here, but I don't think it's really a problem. I think it's just that uh, at some point in, in with most programs that are really good, they, those kinds of mistakes either don't lead to win the difference between winning and losing, or they don't do it very often. And USD certainly you look at this season, it's been on their way toward those things, not um, happening too often anymore. And uh, but but you go back to last week and it was definitely, as we talked about right when we started here, uh, kind of a return to uh, a return to that sort of shortcoming. And uh, you, because it's been so it remains right now at this point juncture in the season, an isolated incident, you'd have to think that it's going to remain an isolated incident. And it, and they're going to kind of go back to the way they were playing, uh, you know, in those first six games. Yeah, just to bring a little extra perspective to that turnover situation in the two losses now at Illinois State, now at Northern Iowa, South Dakota minus four in turnover margin. They've given it away six times in those two games, gotten two takeaways. They've been outscored 20 to nothing uh, off of turnovers in those two, 17 to nothing this last week at Northern Iowa in those seven games that they've won. And and that's how you're talking about Mick. Uh, it, it is an isolated incident because they've won far more than they've lost this season. They've won seven times. And in those games, they're plus 14 in turnover margin and outscored their opponents, something like 56 to seven off of those turnovers. So that's a huge number. And, and you look at why a team is successful. And certainly you look right at numbers like that as, as defining reasons for a team's, um, either their positive or negative outcomes, depending on which way uh, you're taking the conversation. But as you mentioned, it, it doesn't get any easier from here. We talked about this November um, last week and just how grueling it was going to be. And and you and I honestly seemed like the easiest game in there, and that was not a knock on you and I. It was just because of the fact that they were going to have to go to Fargo the following, uh, following week and then host South Dakota State at home uh, in the final week of the regular season. So it's up to Fargo now in the Fargo Dome. 
And of course, the last time the Yotes were in that building back in 2015, they shocked the the FCS football world, if, let alone the Missouri Valley Football Conference, when they found a way to get a win against North Dakota State. First time that they'd won in Fargo since 1978. Of course, Miles Bergner kicking the game-winning field goal to give them a 24-21 decision, a game they trailed 14 to nothing um, after the first quarter. Um, and 21-14 at the half. They shut the Bison out in that second quarter. And I think, Mick, going into this game, it, it you know, and then they come back last year, they lose uh, by seven to North Dakota State at home. I think it's safe to say at this point this rivalry uh, has reached a different level because those first three years of it, it was 143-7 combined in favor of North Dakota State. The last two years have been one-score games, one win for South Dakota, one win for North Dakota State. And I think the fact that, that this just shows you that the Coyotes have closed the gap. Are they the, to, to the same championship level that North Dakota State has established for itself? No, probably not yet, but they're working toward it, and they're closer than they've ever been. It's definitely when you look at uh, circumstances uh, going into this game and you, you see, you know, USD had a disappointing loss last week and they fell to number 10 in the rankings. They <laughs> fell. Uh, and if you would have said that, you know, before the season, they, there would be very few people other than the real true, true uh, bleed red around the clock type of football fans who would have uh, decided that that would be a disappointment if they lost that UNI and it knocked them down to number 10 in the rankings. Uh, so it's there, you know, you, and you think back to the, the 2015 game and you kind of parallel it with this one. And there are a lot of ways that you can read where you can see the evidence that things have changed. Uh, and first, you know, the scores of the two games, as you mentioned, but just the circumstances, uh, boy, I'm saying that word circumstances a lot today, Jay. It's okay. I, I get it. Good grief. Uh, but no one, if, if USD would win up there this week, no one would, I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of us would be a little surprised anytime you win in Fargo. If you would lose that program would lose two conference games in a row. That That's crazy stuff, I guess, in its own way, but just USD playing a competitive game and some, somehow figuring out how to win it this year, that wouldn't, that would not be a shocking outcome at all. Uh, I don't think. And, uh, and that, to me, is where you really see the solid evidence of the progress, uh, not just in the two games they played against each other, but in the way that USD has been in the top 10 since early in the year. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you compare scores and these sorts of things in, in games, which is foolish, I guess, but you can see that they, they deserve uh, the opportunity to play in this game and to think that they got a real solid shot at winning it, not certainly they're not favored and, and, uh, but just that, well, we can go up there and then, you know, we've played pretty decent offense against most of the teams we've had to deal with this year. And I don't see any reason why they won't do it again on Saturday. And just those types of things, that philosophical framework to go into that game with those being realistic thoughts, not just, people or just football players who are trying to stay positive and this and that. These are realistic thoughts that, you know, that they could go up there and play pretty well. Uh, that to me is the the biggest sign that things have changed quite a bit. And it, it's not like the Bison have come back 
uh, too much. I, I guess they didn't win a national title last year. And by that measure, you could say that they're falling apart up there, but we know that's <laughs> not true. And uh, so it's, it's kind of fun to get to this part of the season when the, where the conversations are so much different than they have been, you know, since they went to division one. And North Dakota State does come into this game off a loss, of course, last week in the Dakota Marker game in Brookings to South Dakota State. And one question I, you know, I've heard some people talking about is, is did the Jackrabbits give not only USD, but maybe the rest of FCS football or the Valley, however you want to look at it, did they provide a bit of a blueprint, do you think, on how to beat the Bison? Well, that topic came up with uh, Coach Kleiman on, in his money press conference and uh, just the fact that SDSU did hurry it up a little bit in that game, and I haven't watched a, a second of that football game. But, uh, but it, it was working, and it was, you know, moving it along, hurrying it up a little bit was working. And Kleiman's response was that they're not parallel offenses. There's not – it might help them a little bit, but that USD's offense, because it's their specialty, I think. He didn't say that, but because it's their specialty and not just something that they're working on, it's much faster than SDSU's is. And uh, certainly SDSU's probably got some advantages other places. But as far as getting back up to the line and getting the next playoff or having the capacity to do that, um, that USD is much faster. And that, and that, that was why, and he went back to like things that they were working on in August or in, during the summer and setting up some stuff in anticipation for having to face USD in this game and dealing with an offense that moves faster than anything else they see during the year. And then he talked about how it's so difficult to, um, you know, to try to reproduce that those conditions in practice and that, that you just don't if you don't do it every day you just can't get you're not going to be able to get up there to the line with your scout team and, and keep the players jumping and keep them thinking and make it a realistic preparation uh so it's definitely a cause for concern up there that that uh, number one they had it they struggled with it a little bit last week Taryn christian had a fantastic game uh but that they were going to get more of it this week and it was going to come at them even faster this Bison team a little bit different right now offensively because of the injury to Lance Dunn as well, and and I, they've they've got no shortage of decent running backs. That that's kind of what they do, and and that's their brand of football traditionally. Uh, and Bruce Anderson is no slouch. He averages five yards a carry. He's got four touchdowns, about seventy four yards a game, but he he doesn't run it the same kind of way as Lance Dunn. And it feels like they he he's out for the year or at least out for the regular season with with some sort of hip injury. Um, and it certainly felt last week a little bit like they, they missed him and, and the, the Jackrabbits did a good job against the run. Um, and, and granted NDSU spent a lot of that game behind playing from behind and probably being forced to throw the ball more than they would have liked. Uh, but I think, you know, the Coyotes have to have to look at that and, and going into this matchup, they played in back in 2015, they played the run very well up in Fargo. It's part of the reason they were able to win that game. They controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides from the second quarter on. And if they're able to do that, I think you, if you put an Easton stick in position where he's got to beat you, and, and he's been a very good quarterback, he's won a lot of games at North Dakota State, but he's been struggling a little bit throwing the football this year. He's he's 62%, just under 1,500 yards with 16 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Those aren't terrible numbers by any stretch. He's also run for almost 400 yards and six touchdowns. But there's a big difference in his first six games and his last three. First six, 65%, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. Last three games, including 
UNI, including South Dakota State, 50%, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. So I think the Coyotes are certainly going to want to put themselves in a position where they defend the run. I don't know if you want to sell out to defend the run, but you're going to feel okay about it, I think, right now, uh, based on what Stick has done as of late. If if he's going to be the one that has to beat you, I think that's going to be what you want to have happen. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know he has he hasn't had to deal with you know these horrible downs and distances during his career as much as almost you know any other quarterback has because they're so good with uh, their offensive line and and getting that running game going and, you know, early in a, in a series of downs, first and second down, and then you got short yardage or another first down. And, and that is, that really takes some of the stress out of quarterbacking. Um, and it's, so putting him in that spot, which is true of every quarterback on earth to a certain extent, but when you've had a program there that has won so many games and done it fairly similarly um, game by game, and all of a sudden you're seeing uh, some glitches there and you can point right to the run game as being part of it. Um, you know, it, it might not necessarily be uh, Easton sticks, you know, shortcomings as much as it's just that now, now all of a sudden the equations that, it, that have been working for years for whatever reason, the last few games, it's been a little bit tougher to come up with those numbers uh, that ensure all those good things, the, the the football security and moving the chains, et cetera, et cetera, all those things that, that you're the beneficiary of if you've got a great offensive line and a couple of really good running backs, which is almost always what the case is up there. And um, All of a sudden you're asking some things of your quarterback that you aren't normally asking of them, and, and it looks like that statistically we're seeing a little bit of a reflection of that the last few weeks. Now, of course, the first thing that comes to mind when you think North Dakota State football, you know, there's a lot of things that that obviously are, are part of the reason why they've had the extended amount of success that they have. They're, they're second in the league in, in scoring offense just behind USD. They're third in total offense, first in rushing offense, 10th in passing offense. But the, the, the biggest thing that you think about right away is that defense, and there's very good reason for that. They're first in everything, scoring defense, total defense, rush defense, pass defense. Uh, it's a tough nut to crack. SDSU figured it out, and maybe that tempo will be part of it, but certainly USD is going to have to uh, find ways to sustain drives uh, against a, a very, very salty group of Bison defenders. Yeah, and it goes back a lot to what we were just talking about uh, with the other team. Uh, if they're going to – if if uh, Strebler has to deal with a third and 11, third and nine, third and eight, a lot of the time, and, and that that first down run play is getting nothing every time. So you've got second and 10, and then you try a safe pass on second down and something out. It, it seems like, uh, you know, something out in the flat or a fairly low risk pass that's intended just to give you, to get that pass rush, that no brainer, he's going to have to pass it. We're going to send 15 guys to get that, keep that scenario, stay away from that situation as much as you possibly can. Uh, so you can at least have like a third and five or something like that, that, that deal, the, that is going to be a huge part of it for the USD offense. And he is the Strebler has definitely shown that if they're going to just give him those short passes and make him beat him that way, that a great, 
majority of the time, the line and the receivers and Strebler are all capable of moving the chains if that's all they're giving them. And that would not have been the case uh, last year. Uh, so if that's what happens, and it sure seems like that's kind of how they've been defending them lately, uh, I think that they're entirely capable of, of, you know, moving the chains, getting down the field. Uh, but when you're throwing, if you're going to throw 55 passes, your odds of getting one picked off, is uh, they, it goes way up. And after a while, you, you know, the, the defensive backs understand what's going on out there and get much more familiar and, and all of a sudden, they're you know they're going to be probably more apt to take some risks after they get some confidence as to what how these offense how they're you know where they're vulnerable defensively and how USD is going to uh, make an attempt to to take advantage of that. And all of a sudden, it's like oh well, okay, this is the play where they go over here, and all of a sudden you you know you're throwing an interception that you didn't read, you know you didn't see that see it coming. It had no reason to think it was coming. Uh, so that that's going to be a big part of it, I think. And you don't have to gain 300 yards on the ground, but you got to get up over 100. You got you just have to get yourself in situ. Use the run game to make sure that you don't have those third and longs as mm-hmm. best you can. And I think that if you're stuffing the run, if the Bison are, are stuffing the run, it it automatically flips right over to we're going to have to beat them with big plays and a lot of complete very complete high percentage short passes. And that changes things uh, quite a bit. It makes it makes Strebler's job and that offensive line's job much more difficult. Yeah, and you got to hope at that point too that uh, the defense is doing its part. North Dakota State, a, a very ball control oriented team with the running game that they have, and the defense is going to have to find a way to to prevent them from just piling up first downs and staying out on the field and and pushing them to the point of exhaustion. You got to you're going to have to have the ball in Strebler's hands. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times for them to uh, kind of make up that difference if they're not able to get the running game going like you alluded to. It's certainly going to be an interesting chess match. They they always are, but this one in particular, uh, just based on where these two teams are, North Dakota State 8-1, and 5-1, and one, uh, SDSU, or excuse me, South Dakota, whoop, that's a terrible mistake, South Dakota 7-2 and 4-2 and and in the Valley, uh, number 6 and number 10 respectively. Um, in in the uh, in the country right now in the polls, and uh, it's a two thirty kickoff on Saturday. Mick and and Bob Nielsen said something interesting to me this week in in our conversation, and he just said, you know, I said, so how do you feel about the fact that North Dakota State might be a little extra ornery coming off a loss, uh, and and now you get to go to their place and play them? And he said, well, hopefully our guys feel the same way. You know, I mean, we're playing for something here. Everything that we want is still in front of us. And he said, if we win our last two games, we get a share of the conference title. If North Dakota State wins this game, they get at least a share of the conference title for the seventh straight year. So there's there's so much more at stake here than there's ever been when these two teams have crossed paths to this point at this level. Yes, uh, and that, that makes it fun. And I think the fact that it's up there and you had you have incredible fans up there. I mean, we sort of make fun of them down here, I guess, but totally engaged fans, not just in their own team, their level of awareness about the opponent coming in is uh, way above where it is anywhere else in the conference. And they're students of these, these things. And they are students of Chris Strebler right now. A lot of conversation about him. And I think that they're very aware that, that Nielsen's uh, presence as a coach and recruiter and all these things and the impact that it's making on USD and how, what this means as far as uh, 
there being another uh, perennial playoff uh, contender there all of a sudden in the in the conference and all those things. So it's uh, seeing their reaction to it. Uh, it's kind of fun too because it it really kind of legitimizes the direction that USD is going in that they've been able to um, inspire all this chatter going into a game. 2.30, the kick time from the Fargo Dome in Fargo. It is number 10, South Dakota traveling up north to take on number 6, North Dakota State, in a very pivotal late regular season Missouri Valley Football Conference game. Mick, myself, will both be there as always. But Mick, uh, I'm looking forward to a good football game. I hope we get what we think we will. I, I do too. I do too. And, and certainly, if you've watched as many USD and USU games as I have, uh, there are games that don't go quite the way you want them to, uh, as far as entertainment is concerned. But those are things that happened in the past. This is a different year, obviously, and uh, it, you know all the new things that we talked about here, all the, the uh, different situations that that we're, both teams are dealing with in this instance are proof enough that that this is a different year at USD. Good stuff, buddy. As always, appreciate your time. Thanks, Jay. Always a pleasure. Can the Coyotes? Find a way to win in Fargo for the second straight time. Hadn't done it since 1978 before 2015. Can they make it two in a row? It would be the first time North Dakota State has lost back-to-back games since 2009. That's how good the Bison have been for such a long period of time. All right, that's going to do it for us for this time. For Mick Gary, I'm Jay Elson. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. To listen to any of our past episodes, go to midcosn.com slash podcast.